0: I want to ask that we turn, um, let's turn our Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, uh, chapter 4. Welcome for those of you just joining. Um, as you guys turn there, um, I want to open up in prayer real quick. <coughs> so let us join with a united heart as we uh, go before the Lord. Uh, Father, we just thank you, Lord, in this moment, God. I just want to ask God that you would join uh, with us, Father, that your presence would be known, that your presence would be sensed, that your presence would be felt. Father, I pray, God, that you would give me the words to speak. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would grant me the grace. I pray that you would grant me the power, that you would grant me the unction, that you would grant me, Lord, the ability to speak your word in a concise way, in a didactic way, in a way, Father, that would encourage your hearers, that would encourage your people, that would give direction and clarity to your people. Father, I pray that through the piercing of this two-edged sword would cut through the confusion and the lies and the uh, deception of the wicked one. Father, would you uh, dispel, Lord, all mist of confusion? Would you grant us eyes to see? Would you grant us ears to hear? Would you grant us, Father, um, your word that would uh, seep down within our hearts and build up our faith, Lord. I pray, God, that you would uh, safeguard us, that you would barricade us, O Lord, from anything that would attempt to puncture our faith. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that you you would be with us, that you would be with us, O God. Yes, Lord, you are invincible in battle. You are a great God. Your word says that you will never leave us nor forsake us. So, Lord, we look to you as our great God and our Savior. We look to you as our Father. And we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that neither height nor death nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We thank you for Calvary. We thank you for the blood that was shed for our iniquities. We thank you for the hope that is the anchor of our soul. Father, so would you lift us up out of the mire? Would you lift us up out of the miry bog? Would you lift us up out of every pit the enemy wants to cast us into, Lord? We know, O Lord, that you will exalt those who are humbled. You are a defender of the defenseless. You arise up for the poor and the needy. So, Father, would you arise for your people and show yourself mighty, God. On behalf of your people. Hallelujah. Father may your anointing be with us. May your presence be with us. Back this meeting. Oh God we ask in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Get us out of every distress. Out of every obstacle. Out of every hardship. Out of all suffering. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and Amen. hallelujah <coughs> hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Jesus amen so again let's turn to first Peter chapter 4 um chapter 4 verse 12. 1 Peter chapter four verse twelve. <clears throat> so let's uh, begin reading. He says, "Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal, or some translation says trial, that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ." So that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal. Or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Um, It says uh, in verse 18, And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Amen. So, I wanna first of all give attention to uh verse twelve and I wanna encourage you to keep your Bibles, um being that we will um reference a number of passages and do uh quite a bit of reading, or as I, I expect we will. Um but verse twelve says, Dear friends, so you know, one of the things that I, I wanna take note of, first of all, about this verse is that he's entreating uh, the people of God as uh, friends right? Um, you know if you turn to the book of Job I'm not asking you to do so but if if in your own time you happen to uh, read the book of Job one of the things that you'll take notice of is that Job uh, refers to his three friends um, Eliphaz um, Nehemoth uh, I think it's Eliphaz and Nehemothite Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar and um, I forgot where he's from, but there there's three friends that he has that comes and um visits him and he says uh, and they're for seven days they're silent and that, that was the wise thing for them to do uh, because it, it turns out that their advice is isn't um the best, and they only add insult to job's injury and uh the Bible says that they were silent for seven days, seeing that his suffering was too great for words. You know, there are some suffering, my brothers and sisters, that is too great for words. You know that? There's some suffering that your brother or your sister goes through that is too great for words. Um, but you know what it's not too great for is your prayers. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, it says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, some of the greatest consolation that you can offer for a despondent and suffering uh, brother or sister is that you merely, uh, that you be present with them, that you stoop down and that you console them, but that you weep with them, that you pray for them. And because sometimes uh, people cannot endure hearing even what is true in times of distress, doesn't negate the truth, doesn't take away from the truth. Um, but Jesus even said himself, "I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now." Right, and and. Why I'm taking note of the fact that uh, what I wanted to point out was that Job had referenced his uh, friends as being worthless physicians. And and this is why it takes great uh, skill. It takes experience. It takes anointing. It, it takes having suffered ourselves as ministers of God to rightfully be skillful ministers. Otherwise, we would occupy the, the profession of spiritual physician and yet be unable to rightfully uh, uh, administer a diagnosis and a prescription for people's problems. Being aloof from suffering ourselves, uh, uh, being distant from suffering ourselves, uh, renders us incapable of adequately uh, helping the individual that's suffering. Amen. But Peter, on the other hand, he's saying, Dear friends, so you know, sometimes people can relay the truth disconnected from uh pain. You know, or, or disconnected from from caring for you personally. Right? You know, this is what Paul said. He says, You have even if you had 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. In other words, he's implying you only have one father. And who who truly cares for you at the end of the day is, you, is your mother and father. Who is going to really stick by your side when you're in the hospital, when you're, you're dying or when you're broke, when you have nothing to contribute to them, Right? But he says, dear friends. In other words, he, he, he has that connection. He has that relationship with them. And he says, uh, and so he's relaying a hard truth, but it's not disconnected from relationship. And he says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. Um, in other words, uh, we are not to consider it. We're not to consider suffering a stranger. You know, I was delving more into the Greek uh, with this particular word. And, um, you know, it speaks with respect to, you know, a stranger or foreigner um, that is unbelonging to a specific region. Right? And now, when you think about it, uh, we think about an illegal alien, right, to to wherever our country is. You understand that they have no rights there right and and therefore it's unexpected right that someone who is not legal to be within your country now we can view suffering that same way we can imagine that trials and tribulations are illegal aliens to the christian and therefore we are not to expect its the, the entrance of it in our lives However, Peter is saying, "Don't be surprised at this. It's not an illegal alien, right? It is belonging to to you. It is a it's something that you shouldn't be surprised, right? And I think the element of surprise can defeat you. Amen. Somebody." In, in war, you know the, the art of ambushing is is a, a, a useful tactic. It's a useful uh, method in order to gain victory over the enemy of God or over your enemy, excuse me, right? And so the enemy wants to use the element of surprise to ambush you and and, and to lead you to believe, Right, that certain things cannot happen. Amen. But what, what it's saying here? It says it's says a fiery ordeal. So in other words, you know, uh, you know, you think of Daniel who was thrown in the the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, excuse me, and Daniel as well. No, I'm sorry, he's throwing the lions in. With Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego thrown in the fiery furnace, right? They were tried, their faith was tried, and in that hour they had to uh, uh they had to truly rely on the Lord and not on themselves, not on support systems, but on God himself. AMEN. It says that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So the, the things that you are going through, they're not strange. In other words, they're not strangers. Anybody who says that they don't experience it, then, well, you're just not living life whether believer or not because everybody goes through things right but but there is a particular uniqueness to the Christian in that there are demons actively and and persistently seeking to wreak havoc in your life to 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 cause for your downfall to destroy you to manipulate you to deceive you right to Uh, Puncture Holes within your faith Does that make sense Why because He hates you He hates myself And he hates God And he hates all those who He hates everybody Right Amen So he, he 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 wants to ruin our lives through trickery, through deception, through lies, through intimidation, through witchcraft, through sin. Amen. Through fear, through everything. Anything that he can use and get his hands on as a tool. He will bring your way to bring you to nothing, and even if you don't turn back uh, it, 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 you know if he can't reduce your years in the years that you live, he will strip you strip it of its quality he he will he will ma- if he can't take you out completely, he will make your life hell while you live. But if you take, uh, but look at what he says. But rejoice in as much as you partake in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Right? And then he begins to talk about, hey, look, if you do suffer, don't suffer as a meddler or, you know, anything else. So there is no glory associated with suffering for sin, right? And so we have to put away that conduct. We have to put away anything that, that is carnal, anything that is demonic, anything that would invite suffering, but not on the count of righteousness, right if however we're suffering for righteousness if we're suffering if because we, we remain uh, firm and steadfast as a believer you know the bible says that the spirit of glory and of god rests upon you and that should be our encouragement that should be our consolation why because there are many of whom uh in this world the spirit of glory and of god does not rest upon them you know, it, it is much better to endure for Christ and Christ's presence and glory be on me, His Spirit be on me and in me, rather than not. Amen. You know, you know, David, his, his uh, most uh, you know, desperate prayer was in Psalm 51, Take not your Holy Spirit from me, and cast me not away from your presence. Amen. I'd rather go through the thick of battle with God with me than live uh, uh, what appears to be a joyous uh, uh, and happy life without Him. Amen. <clears throat> but look at um, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. It says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. You know, um, now, mind you, it says the end of all things is near. It doesn't say that the end of all things is, you know, over 2,000 years. Uh, It is clear, um, you know, in the Greek, it's very clear. It's at hand. It's about to happen. Um, You know, over 2,000 years isn't about to happen. (laughs) So, but nevertheless, that not being my focus, the point, though, however, is that they were in a time where intense suffering was what they were experiencing, and and Peter is saying, "Look, be sober-minded, and be alert." In other words, you you have to stand guard. You cannot allow for yourself to coast on. You cannot allow for yourself to to be uh, to lack in vigilance. You have to. Also, not be intoxicated in the mind. Amen. You know, and and when you look in Luke and and they're talking about you know Jesus was speaking about his coming, uh, he was saying, look, you know, if 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 the servants of the house begin beating each other and begin you know getting intoxicated and all this stuff. He says the Lord's going to come out an hour, and and, in an hour they least expect. So, so calamity would overtake them. But, but he says, you know, no. Instead of being intoxicated in mind, instead of you know getting drunk and getting high, or even being intoxicated with things that are material, or intoxicated with, you know, things that aren't. don't involve substances substance abuse right um you, your vision will be impaired you're not you're not alert to what God wants you to be alert to you're you're not of sober mind and because when you're not sober minded you're you understand that your mind is impaired your judgment is impaired you can't think right, you can't act right correct and so so he's saying, look, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. In other words, you cannot pray with an intoxicated mind. You you cannot pray when you are not alert. Why? Well, what what did um let let's let's look at something. Or well, let's also before we turn elsewhere, I want to read this passage as well. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 8. Look at what Peter says. Be alert and of sober mind. So he's repetitive. What he says in chapter 5, verse 8, is what he said in chapter 4, verse 7. So he's repeating himself. And the reason for the repeat is is how crucial... The advice he's giving is. So I say to us today, be alert and of sober mind. You know, if you're sleeping, you're not alert. You know, I, I was uh just last night not last night, but the night before that, I got severely attacked in my dreams. And what was, what was interesting was that, um, I had, uh, an amazing breakthrough from the Lord, um, that day and the sensing of his presence. Um, you know, I, I was tuning into, um, apostle Ricardo's live and he was uh, taking people through prayers and the anointing just amazingly came through and blessed me. And uh, so, but however, uh, the enemy was having none of it. And that night, I I couldn't sleep because I was getting attacked all throughout the night. But the first nightmare I had, I woke up to an immense, heavy, demonic presence. And, you know, and so in that moment, as I woke up, what am I going to do? Go back to sleep? Because here's the thing, just because you sleep don't mean you get rest. Even if you get, even if you're able to sleep a complete eight hours, see rest starts in the soul. It doesn't start from the body because you can be tired and have rest in the soul, but you can, you can be well rested in the body and not have, you can be well uh, uh, slept, you know, and, and recuperate physically in the body but not be well rested in the soul. So I had to, you know, combat that and pray for about 30 minutes straight. I said, devil, I rebuke you. I renounce everything that you have tried to inject in my dream. Anybody that's cursing me, I command for that curse of backfire on their heads. Anybody doing witchcraft on me or any astral projection, I command that you be cursed. I, I pray right now, I destroy every single attack I, I you know I come against this in Jesus name may may everything backfire in the heads of my enemies may your snares be destroyed may your schemes be destroyed may you be confounded in Jesus name and I had to pray like that for 30 minutes and then weave in and out of that from tongues to imprecatory prayers fire prayers warfare prayers right and then the presence of God begin to come. But the devil is giving me no intermission, no rest so but it was at a vulnerable time when I physically I was in, unable to be alert. Yeah, Do you understand so um what did David say in Psalm 144 God teaches my fingers to war. Amen. So passive Christianity isn't going to get you through. You have to be able to learn how to war. The devil is not going to have mercy on you. God has mercy, but the devil doesn't. But look at verse 8. It says, be alert and of sober mind. In chapter four, verse seven he says, Be alert and have a sober mind so that you may pray. Now verse eight, be alert and of sober mind, and he tells us why your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. So if we 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 coincide chapter four, verse seven with chapter five, verse eight, we learn why it's imperative to pray, because our devil is as our adversary as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he prowls around like a lion does, you know, I'm an American, so I, I don't know the experience of, uh, 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 being met by a lion <laughs> and I'm pretty glad that I, I ain't never had to experience that. Um, right. But, you know, I'm sure the certain people in Africa Hey, you know, uh, or wherever the lions are predominant, right? If if, a lion meets you and you don't got like a spear or something, well, because that lion is prowling around looking, who can I devour? Right? And if you are alert, if you don't know your whereabouts, you just might come in contact with one. Right. Does it make sense? So look it. So we need to pray because the devil is prowling around. And look at what it says, verse 7. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You know, this verse had given me so much revelation when I was a younger believer. um, I got saved in 2011. But I remember reading this in about 2013. And what stuck out to me was that the enemy was trying to convince me at that time that my suffering was unique. And see, when, when you feel like your suffering... You're the only person going through what you're going through. It places you... It, it adds insult to injury and it makes your suffering even heavier because you think I'm the only person that's going through this. And and, and therefore makes you feel even lonelier. If, that, if your suffering wasn't bad enough, if it turns out you're of a very, very small percentage of people who actually go through this, you might reckon that something is wrong with you. Right? But it says this, because you know that the family of believers throughout the whole world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So uh, the believers globally are also experiencing the same thing as you. It's not an American thing. It's not a European thing. It's not an African thing. It's a Christian thing. Amen. Amen. But verse 9 says, Resist him standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So, It requires strength and endurance to resist. Now, here's the thing. Um, That might lead us to despair if it's our own strength that we had to resist Him with. But it's not our strength. It's the strength of God. Amen. Uh turn to Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Look at this. Um verse seven For because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Wow. Uh, Torment is a strong word. That's a strong word. Uh, if if I said I'm being tormented. I'm not saying that it's a hot day and I don't have air conditioning. That's not torment. That's discomfort, but it's not torment. So Paul was going through some horrible stuff. Verse 8, Three times I pleaded with the Lord. So Paul is alert and sober-minded. He's therefore able to pray. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Verse 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Right, so Peter in chapter 5, in his first letter is saying, Be strong uh, to resist the devil. Okay, Uh, resist him. And you're going to have to resist him, not in your own strength, but in the strength that God provides. But guess what? When God provides strength, it's any time when you are personally weak, when you are weak within yourself. You have no confidence in your own power. You have no confidence in your own might. You have no confidence or faith in yourself. Amen. Amen. So, if, if God doesn't help, there will be no deliverance. If God doesn't come through, I will not make it through. If God doesn't come through, this, that, or the other will not change. I will not be strengthened. I need Him. And now, that's where, if our faith is feeble and weak and it's not developed, we might feel Afraid in those moments because we might we, we suspect that God may not come through, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties for for when I am weak then I am strong. Right, so here is the Apostle Paul who who loves the Lord who is undoubtedly saved who is a mighty apostle who is not doing anything wrong who isn't living in a compromised state and yet he is met with resistance he is met with the um, trials from the devil look at uh second Timothy second Timothy chapter four. Verse 16 or verse 14 <clears throat> Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. So you know Paul is <sighs> I'm not gonna go through the catalog of his sufferings, but if you want to later, you can look in second Corinthians uh, chapter 11, he talks about all that he went through, stonings, persecutions, dangers, you know, you know, at sea, dangers on land, dangers from false brothers, you know, uh, 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 flogging, so on and so forth, right? So he, everywhere he's turned, he's met with the devil and he says, and, and the devil working through people, Alexander, the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. Now, by the way, it would interest you to know that this statement of Paul is a prayer. There, there's four different types of prayers that are made uh, in the scriptures. Uh, one where Paul is informing the church. Uh, for example, uh, I pray for you night and day. So he's he's allowing them to know, he's, I'm praying for you night and day that you may be strengthened in your inner man, so on and so forth. So he's... Giving them insight into what his prayer life looks like. There's other times where he says, like he does here, uh, the Lord will repay him for what he has done. So even though there is no petition, no no um, asking, it, it's it's made in the form of a declarative statement. Right? It's a declaratory, a declaratory. Uh, Prayer. Uh, And if you know a little bit of your English, there's four different types of statements interrogative, indicative, imperative, and uh, declarative. So he's declaring his prayer. Okay? So the Lord will repay him for what he has done. So that suggested that Paul prayed that. Lord, repay uh, Alexander. He didn't say, Lord, forgive him. Now, undoubtedly, there are instances where that is the case. Jesus prayed that prayer for the Romans. He didn't pray that for the Pharisees. Because he had already called down woes upon Pharisees. He's not calling down woes for those to whom he is asking for forgiveness. Those woes are curses. Woe unto you Pharisees, such and such and such. Woe unto you Sadducees, such and such and such. Woe unto you lawyers and uh, scribes of the law. Um, but the Romans who didn't weren't familiar with the law and who were ignorant, he said to them, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The Pharisees do. <clears throat> but n- nevertheless, it says, you too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Verse 16, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me may not be held against them. So now he's saying to the church, you know, to my own brothers and sisters, yeah, I know that some of you guys are flakes. You deserted me. But I still love you in the Lord. Uh, may not be held against them. Thankfully, he prayed that for his own brothers and sisters. Right? But he... uh and this kind of goes, you know, kind of um, does away with the whole celebrity Stephen Furtick pastor sort of image, right? Where everybody's just, you know, flocking, you know, to you and at your feet, right? Have all the support in the world <laughs> from all the big shots and the big names, right? But look, Paul the Apostle raised the dead. Where is everybody at <laughs> right? <Amen. laughs> right? He's not lacking in anointing. he's not lacking from calling from God. He's not lacking in anything. and yet and no one can accuse him of not loving them. So it's not because Paul is somehow deficient in his character or is you know unloving. Right? It's just that some people cannot follow you, won't follow along with you where God is taking you. Or the heat gets turned up too much for them and they they turn away. Right? (coughs) You know, just like uh, they they had left uh, Jesus because they said... You know, this is too hard of a teaching. Who can endure this stuff? But look at right here. It says, so that through me, the message might... uh, But it says, verse 17, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Like it says in Second Corinthians chapter 12, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Alexander, the, the metal worker, is doing Paul a great deal of harm. The devil is using Alexander... Um, and yet, despite Paul being weak, the Lord stood by him, despite the fact that everybody else had deserted Paul, the Lord still stood by Paul's side and strengthened him. Hallelujah. Isn't that an encouragement? Isn't that comforting to know is that the Lord will not leave you, nor forsake you. You know, I I was, I was blessed, uh, to learn about this, uh, this brother's conversion. Uh, Man, some years back cuz he grew up in church and he was serving the Lord before. His dad was a pastor and then uh he turned away, but I mean, turn not just like, oh man, I know I'm doing wrong. Like he became oppositional to the faith. Uh very ugly towards God and would even insult God. And and you know, very very just dark and uh and yet he would talk about how god pursued him even in that time and he he's he's with the lord now today and he's on fire i'm like wow uh it just it just opened my eyes even cuz at that time i thought man this guy's gone like he he ain't coming back he's going to die in his sin and go to hell that's where i thought he you know and, uh, cause he was just so far out there and yet, you know, um, uh, he said one time he went to church high, uh, just because someone invited him and he respected the person. So he's like, yeah. And he's in his head. He's like, man, I don't even believe this, this stuff anymore. He's I don't believe this trash anymore. It, he was high and drunk, you know, in the pew. And yet everything that the minister was preaching on was speaking directly to his heart. And he's like, man, so he, he's like, wow. And he thought at the time that a brother in the Lord told that minister to, tell, to say, hey, preach on all this stuff because, you know, so-and-so's in the pew. You know, it's funny too because <laughs> the same brother he was referring to is the same brother I had thoughts about when I... I was first coming to church. I thought that brother was running to tell the pastor to tell him everything to preach on about my life, uh, and I I confronted him about it. I was like, "Hey, I was like, you you telling the the guy about what I'm telling you or what?" And he's all, "Nah, man, that's the Holy Ghost." <laughs> I was like, "What?" But anyways. That was so new to me. I was like, what is, what's going on here? You know, I'm like, I felt like everybody else in the whole church was absent. Like, I'm the only person there. Like, they're not even a factor to me. I feel like I'm being singled out the whole hour. (laughs) But that's God for you. But anyways, it's just an amazing testament of God's mercy. How God brought him back. But look, it says, And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so he, is, what does He say? He says, He will rescue me from every evil attack. Right? But what, what does He say? Is it... And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. So in other words, uh, either the lion is opening his mouth near me or he latched a hold of me. And I was going to be ripped to shreds. But Jesus Christ, the great lion of the tribe of Judah, had torn that lion to pieces. Amen. And delivered me from his mouth. The devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's as a roaring lion. He isn't the true lion. Amen. He poses as one. But the Lord stood by Paul, strengthened Paul, delivered Paul. When everybody else, nobody, he couldn't look to anyone else. The Lord stood by his side. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! This is saying in Hebrews chapter 13, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. <clears throat> you know, that, that has always been my greatest consolation. That if my life comes to ruin, and I can't do anything for anybody, I, I'm worthless as far as the world is concerned. I can't contribute to anything. My, my 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 heart's consolation is that Jesus doesn't care. Amen. He will stay by me. Even if I if I'm good for nothing for all intents and purposes for if I can't do anything for another soul as long as I live, I know that the Lord Jesus will stay by me and keep me company. Amen. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You know, because today in the world, you know, if, if you're good for nothing, they, they want to throw you aside and cast you out of society and say you're worthless. Right? You're a burden to society. Right? Right? But the Lord Jesus says, "I want those burdens. Cast your burdens, cast your anxieties unto me, because I care for you. Others may not, but the Lord, ju- the Lord does. And guess what? There's nothing too heavy for Him to carry. Amen." Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Look, if you turn to Matthew chapter 7, because in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, he's telling us we need to be alert, sober-minded to pray. uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 tells us why. Why? Because the devil is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour Right. And what what exactly are we to pray? Well, we, we we need to pray in such a way that gets us the results that Paul got in 2 Timothy chapter 4. The result that the, Paul got was that he was delivered from the lion's mouth. He was delivered from every evil work. And, and there was an assurance. That God would bring him safely into his heavenly kingdom. Says Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Verse 13 is the verse of emphasis. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Rescue us. Deliver us. Save us from the evil one. From every evil scheme, from every snare, from every trap. You know, some translation says deliver us from evil, others say evil one, and because in the Greek it can go both ways. um, But nonetheless, whether from evil, because evil comes from the evil one, or the translation rendered delivers from the evil one, in either case, deliver us from this. <laughs> Amen. let us quickly turn to uh, 2nd Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. The many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So Paul is saying, look, we were delivered from such a deadly peril. We despaired of life itself. Right, but the, he did say this this happened so we may not rely on ourselves, but on the God who raises the dead. So there is nothing humanly possible that can ha- could have overturned this. We needed help from God. Amen. But the Lord was gracious to deliver, but he says, but he, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Right? So we need we need to pray that we're delivered from the enemy. <clears throat> amen. Um Amen. I I want to I want us to turn real quickly to um take take note of this um Matthew 26:41 <clears throat> Like I said, we'll be doing a bit of reading Matthew 26:41 <clears throat> Well, let's actually begin at verse 36. <clears throat> Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Uh, which means olive crush. So, you know, and of course the anointing oil comes from olives. And, you know, it takes, you know, so times to be crushed for the anointing to flow. Uh, and he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter And the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Uh, The Bible says in Luke, you know, he was in anguish and there was drops of blood. It says being in anguish, you know, being in agony, he prayed the more earnestly. It says, then he said to them. So there is no excuse when, when you're in the hour of trial, the hour of trouble. To not pray. You got to pray the more earnestly. You got to pray the more earnestly. You may not feel like it. (coughs) But it is imperative. It is necessary. It says, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he was a man of sorrow, sequentened with grief. Right? So it's encouraging to know that Christ has suffered more than us, and so that there isn't anything too sorrowful or too painful that he has not experienced. So the Bible says in Hebrews, he's... he's, uh, he became like us to become a merciful and faithful high priest. He says, he's not unable to empathize with your weakness. Well was tempted in all points like we, yet without sin. So, when we're going through things, the Lord Jesus is able to empathize because he himself had gone through temptation. He himself stood the hour of trial. He himself had suffered immensely to the point of sorrow, you know, to the point of death. He says, stay here and wa- uh, keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you, man, keep watch with me, watch with me for one hour? You know, this is why, you know, this whole, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to guilt anybody, but there should be no excuse why you can't pray and why you can't endure these prayer meetings. My brothers and sisters, if, if you can't, uh, uh, endure these prayer meetings on Wednesday with someone who is helping to lead you in it. How, how are you going to stand on your own? Amen. Right? I'm not saying that to guilt anybody. But, man, you, you have someone here who, who, who's uh, pioneered many prayer meetings. And prayed hours myself, not to gloat or boast, but someone who's experienced and seasoned in prayer, helping to usher you into the presence of God. To, to strengthen you, to, to lead you to that place, you know, you have to take what you learn here and implement it in your personal life. Right? Because I, I tell you what, the only thing that has gotten me through is that I knew how to cling a hold of God in prayer. That's the only thing that has got me through. Right? So it says, uh, verse 40, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? I believe in Luke's gospel, it says their eyes were heavy for sorrow. So, you know, sometimes you're so depleted and sorrowful, all you want to do is just sleep it off. I don't want to deal with this stuff. And, and and it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're less of a Christian. It means that you're you're human. You want to do that. That's you know. But we need God's help. We need to invite the help of God. Right. See see. During these times, my brothers and sisters, the solution isn't to look inward. The solution is to look to Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith. I will. <clears throat> verse 41 watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But look at verse forty uh verse forty two. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is p- not possible. For this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping. So three times, they're sleeping. Guess what? Peter isn't taking his own advice. He's not alert. Peter is speaking from experience when he says, Be alert and sober-minded, so that you may pray. Peter's not alert. He's sleeping. He he wasn't praying. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. You know, people say there's this sloppy uh, uh, uh <coughs> so-called faith moving out, out there that all you got to do is pray it once and, and, and if you have to pray it again, you had no faith. Well, then I, I guess Jesus didn't have any faith because which obviously is is a ridiculous statement but because he had faith he prayed the th- same thing the third time and, and and if you're so if you treat the 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 bible like a a book of cheat codes left right up down xx uh, you know triangle <laughs> why isn't the cheat code working i prayed it <laughs> It ain't a book of cheat codes. So you can't just say it and forget it. You can't just put in the cheat code and forget it. You got to keep praying. It's a reality. See, prayer weakens the devil. Because the devil is, is himself a personality, a person with a will. And you can weaken that strongman. And see, not every demon is the same. Some are more stubborn stubborn and persistent. One may come to you in the night watches and not let you alone for an entire hour because it's that stubborn. But as you continue to hack away in prayer, the, the demon's will becomes weakened and they flee and they return for an opportune time. <clears throat> But look it, uh, turn to Luke chapter 22. I want to show you something. Uh, You know, the interesting thing is, Peter is giving instructions from the Holy Ghost undoubtedly. He's inspired by God to write what he's writing. But on the other hand, there's lodged within that inspired instructions advice that uh, rooted in experience. Amen. And I'll tell you why. Well, what, what are the relevant similarities between Peter's instructions there in his first epistle to his own life? Well, number one, he's saying Be alert and pray so that you may pray because your devil, your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right now, while we learn in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wasn't alert and he didn't pray. And then we learn here in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. That the devil was prowling around to devour him. Simon Simon, Satan asked to sift you all sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So Peter says resist the devil firm in your faith, and to pray, to be alert. But what happened in Peter's case is that he didn't resist firm in the faith and he didn't pray. In fact, it was because of his prayerlessness in the garden that led him to not be delivered from that temptation, but had therefore succumbed to the temptation when he was then, when he was later questioned by people. Hey, aren't you one of his followers? Aren't you one of them? And he denied the Lord three times. Isn't that interesting? The Lord in the garden told him to pray three times. And when on the hour of trial came, he denied the Lord three times. Right? But, but the Lord isn't, or aren't you encouraged though, however that his relapse wasn't permanent on the strength of the intercessory prayers of Jesus he he was restored amen <clears throat> the bible says in romans 8 it says he ever lives to make intercession for us But look here, he says, uh, But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He didn't say if you turn back, he says when you turn back. Strengthen your brothers. And that's precisely what he's doing in his first letter. He's strengthening the disciples and giving them instructions on the things he failed to do. Amen. Look at, uh, I want us to turn to Job so that you get a little more insight into what goes on. Job chapter 1, verse 1. In the land of Uz, there was a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. I'm reading this verse to show you that Job wasn't doing anything wrong. He was a man that feared the Lord and he he shunned evil. He eschewed it. Okay? So, as far as his character was concerned, there there was no compromise. And on the strength of his integrity was the very occasion for the devil to then try him. It wasn't because he was uh, unrighteous or that there was a door of compromise. It was precisely because he was righteous and feared the Lord that occasioned the devil to attack him. Verse 6 <clears throat> One day the angels, or some translations say the sons of God, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, uh, Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. So you see what Peter said in his first letter is that the devil he prowls around he goes back and forth he's looking for people well you know the the world is populated with what 7 billion people i don't know what the population of the world was at that time there it, <laughs> look if everybody was a, an individual that you wanted to try you don't have to do much roaming cuz you can stumble across it in- you can stumble across someone easily. Take out the first person you see. Unless, of course, righteous people on earth are very scarce. There's not enough of them. Amen. So, so that, that indicates to us that the devil is looking for a select people. People that are worth trying. Right? Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? So, the Lord presents Job to the devil. Interesting. There is no one on earth like him. So the Lord is is going to bat for him and, and, and describing the quality of this man. Right? He says he's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And then look at the devil. You know, the, the, the devil is so absurd because here God knows everything. And yet the devil's still arguing with God. The Lord just told the devil that Job is a man that fears the Lord. And yet the devil wants to argue with him and say, no, he ain't. Right? Look at, and the devil is accusing Job to the Lord. And that's precisely what the devil is. He's an accuser of the brethren. Amen. Does Job fear God for nothing? And look what he says Satan replied, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that the flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretched out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Right? Isn't that what the devil does to you? You don't love God enough. You 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 know uh you know you're not really a Christian. If you're really a Christian, you would do this. If you're really a Christian, you would do that. So when those accusatory thoughts come in, know that the devil is is trying to inject death to you and and he wants you to bite that so you begin to examine on the standard of uh, on, on the accusation of the devil right Amen. the lord said to Satan <coughs> very well then everything he has is in your power But on the man himself do not lay a finger. Recall that uh, Satan had gone to Jesus and asked to sift Peter like wheat. Well, asked to sift all of them like wheat. So the devil, however this works, there's not much details given to it. But, he has to go to the Lord to ask permission. Right? He, he doesn't have unbridled freedom. Amen. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And I'm not going to read all of this just for the sake of time. But basically, you know, his children die. He lose all his flocks. He loses everything all in one day. And then chapter 2, verse 1, "...on another day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil." And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. So there is no reason. And yet, the devil is afflicting him without reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied, man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, very well then, he's in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. So we see that the devil is also working through his wife to incite Job to curse him. That's precisely what the devil wanted him to do. He says, does Job fear God for nothing? He says, lay your hand against all he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Right? No, but what what was Job's response? Uh, I will worship the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Amen. Right? Right? Um, and we find that Job's, Job's suffering was very immense, and we'll be coming to a close here shortly. Um, you know, Job, Job was suffering to the point that he, he didn't even want to live anymore. Um, he was saying, you know, uh. May the day of my birth be cursed. And he says, um, you know, he, he says in the third chapter, you know, why is light given to those in misery and life to the bitter in soul, to those who long for death that it, and it does not come, who search for it more than for hidden treasure. And then he goes on and on, talks about his suffering outweighing the sand of the sea, etc., etc. <clears throat> but, but that is all to indicate. That That Satan, right, is looking to try the people of God, is looking to to swallow their faith, right looking to uh, cause the people of God to retreat, to return back to their old ways. Um, but as Peter said, we must resist the enemy, and like Paul says in Ephesians chapter six, when he gives uh, um, instructions on spiritual warfare, he says, "Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might." Right? He says, "Take up the shield of faith, where you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the wicked one." See, the enemy wants to throw darts at you to poison your heart, to get you to believe what is false, to get you to despair, to get you to, to, to become hopeless. But, but he says to put up the shield of faith so you can extinguish all of those lies. Amen. Right? Not faith in ourselves, but faith in God. And then he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So that's how, you know, Psalm 144, he teaches my fingers to war. That's how we are to war, is with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. Right? With truth. And this is in praying in the Spirit on all occasions. What does it say in Romans chapter 12, verse 12? It says, be patient in tribulation, uh, constant in prayer, uh, faithful in prayer, and and rejoicing in hope. So we are not without hope as the people of God. Right? We are not without an expectation. God will get us through. But in the meantime we must be prayerful in all occasions, stand upon the word of the Lord, right? And trust and believe that he will deliver us from the lion's mouth. Okay. <clears throat> Amen. Let, let's look at first uh, Peter, go back to first Peter chapter five, and this is what He says to them, uh, after he states all of that, Verse 10 of chapter 5, And the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast, To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So now this is Peter speaking from the vantage point of someone who was himself restored of the Lord. Amen. 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 So he's not disconnected. He says, the God of all grace, not some grace. God has enough grace within His storage, right? So that after you suffered a little while, the God of all grace will make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Restore you. What, what does it say in James chapter 5? He says, "Consider." He says, my brethren, consider the, the, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord right and 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 allow them to serve as examples who through patience endured and he says consider job and and the latter end of job and how the lord is merciful and compassionate and if you read the 42nd chapter of job you see that the lord restored the latter end of job and made his latter days greater than his former <clears throat> Amen. So, uh, uh, allow that uh, to encourage you. That, just as in the case with Job, so will the case be for us. That there there is an expiration date to your suffering. There's an expiration date to this trial. But in the meantime, we need to be uh, persistent in prayer. We need to continue to ask the Lord to deliver us from evil, to deliver us from the wicked one. Amen. Last verse, Romans chapter 8, This, you know, Peter's instructions to be alert and sober to pray because you're the adversary, your adversary, the devil is seeking to devour you. And that same devil goes to the Lord asking to sift you like wheat. Peter says, look, you need to be sober and alert so that you can pray. And you feel like you're in the garden of Gethsemane and and, and your eyes are heavy for sorrow. And being in agony, you can't pray. But the Bible says here that the Spirit helps us even in our weakness. We don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to pray. We don't have the strength to pray. And yet the Spirit intervenes and begins. If you yield to His ability, if you yield to His power, He will uh, take over and begin to assist you in the 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 occupation of prayer and as you begin to pray by the spirit you will have the result of that is verse 28 that all things work together for good to them who love god who've been called according to his purpose so that even though you're you're experiencing perhaps something similar as Job, or or something maybe very much unlike job Be that as it may, whatever trial that we're going through, the Bible says that he will work together for good. Amen. Verse 31 through 39 will be the last that we read. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how we not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one to condemn? Who, who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So the Spirit is interceding for you, to help you to pray, and Jesus is interceding for you before the Father. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sore? As it is written, For your sake we face death, death all the day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So we'll conclude with that, uh, understanding that you know, despite the devil seeking to devour Peter, What does the Bible say here? Whether it's in famine or nakedness, whether height or depth or angels or demons, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? So, what we're going through is not a reflection of the lack of God's love for us. Amen. Amen. And and so the Lord he stands with you. Even if all desert you, the Lord stands by your side. Amen. He stands by our side. He is faithful, right, to never leave us nor to forsake us. But in the meantime, you know, we need to be like David. And David says, the Lord teaches my fingers to war. When we speak of spiritual warfare and stuff like that, you know, like it said, you know, it talks about that in Ephesians 6. It says, put on the whole armor of God. You might have the whole armor on, but you not know how to war. Right? And you need to be taught by God to engage spiritually. <clears throat> right? You need to be taught by the Lord to engage spiritually. And, you know, one of the things that will harm you in battle is to live unrighteously that will harm you in battle yeah. right So um, l- let us uh, close in prayer <clears throat> Father, we just thank you right now for your word. We thank you Lord for your love. We thank you that nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your great love, O God. Father, I just ask right now that you deliver us as your people from every wicked scheme. That you deliver your people from every evil attack that you deliver your people, Lord, from every scheme of the evil one, every lie, all trickery, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, every lie that has been spoken to uh, the souls of your people, in Jesus' name, I pray that it would come out of the soul, that it would come out of the mind, it would come out of the spirit, it would come out of the body, in the mighty name of Jesus, every death, a curse, every word curse in Jesus' name, every flaming arrow from the wicked one, I pray and I command for it to come out of the body, to come out of the soul. In Jesus' name, may the anointing of the Holy Ghost begin to bind up the wounds of your heart that has been shot at with daggers. Father, deliver your people from the lion's mouth. Deliver your people from the lion's mouth. Shut the lion's mouth. May the God of Daniel arise with your people in the midst of the lion's den. Father, silence the mouths of the lions in Jesus' mighty name. May the Holy Ghost begin to touch you where you're at. May, may, may the heat of the Holy Ghost begin to intensify on top of your head and, and, and in your bosom in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! May everything that was intended for your downfall cause for your uprise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! Rebebesia rababasa, O Lord, deliver! O oh Lord, set free! O oh Lord, rescue! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. We praise you in advance because you're faithful. We stand on your word. We put up the shield of faith. It says, after we've suffered a little while, the God of all grace will make us perfect, establish us, strengthen us, settle us, restore us. Hallelujah. Restore, O Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Father, right now, I pray that every, every curse from the enemy, all witchcraft, will backfire on the heads of its, of its senders that it would return back to its cinder, it would boomerang back on their heads, in Jesus' name. May everyone who meant for our demise, who's meant to sabotage our life, who has sought to destroy us, Father, I pray, thwart their plans, and may it return back to them. Hallelujah. May we pass by safely. May they fall into their own snares. May they fall into their own traps. Hallelujah. May the wicked who know not your name, who put not their trust in you, who seek, O Lord, to sabotage our lives, thwart their plans and throw them into confusion. Rescue your beloved people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You're a great deliverer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Rescue our marriages. Rescue, Lord, our, our, our calling. Rescue, Lord, us from reproach. Rescue us, Lord, from harm. Lord, rescue us, O Father, from evil. And, and Lord, lead us safely into your heavenly kingdom. Thank you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, Amen and Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. <coughs> Praise God. I hope that you, you you learn how to pray. Amen. Um let let me show you this last thing i just uh, i won't no, it won't be no more than 5 or 10 minutes i want to show you this because uh i i want you guys to know how to pray when when arrows and daggers are shot your way you have to be intentional you have to because here's the thing the devil wants to shoot at the upright in heart, that's what the Bible says in Psalms. He wants to shoot at the upright in heart, and, and look at what it says in in uh, Psalms, um, Psalm sixty four. <clears throat> See, you know, I, I'm not a mere theorist. I'm, I'm a practitioner. I'm a practitioner of prayer, and one of the mandates God is giving me is to teach the body of Christ how to do just that. Do not for a minute believe an individual that says that you don't need to be taught how to pray, or that we all have equal stature in prayer, right? Don't believe that for a minute. Um... Because we're not all equal in stature. It takes scars and obedience and a hard-pressing seeking after God to acclimate to that place. Right? In any other field of expertise, do you get there overnight? Do you stumble into it? Does someone going to school say to a heart surgeon that's been doing it for 20 years, we're of equal stature? No. People say that I'm arrogant for saying stuff like this. Is a heart surgeon doing that for 20 years arrogant saying it to a person who's barely in medical school? No, the person in medical school who hasn't operated on a single person is arrogant for saying that they're equal in stature. That's arrogant, right? Don't allow allow someone's uh, 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 stature to offend you don't allow allow it to encourage you to come up amen I, I know what I'm saying is true <clears throat> so uh, uh, so hear my God hear me my God as I voice my complaint protect my life from the threat of the enemy so the enemy is coming to threaten you hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked the wicked they're gonna conspire against you. From the plots of evildoers, they sharpen their tongues like swords. Okay? So the Bible describes the tongues like swords. And aim cruel words like deadly arrows. So they're both described as arrows and they're described as words. They shoot from from ambush at the innocent. They shoot suddenly without fear. They encourage each other in evil plans. They talk about hiding their snares. They say, Who will see it? They plot injustice and say, we have devised a perfect plan. Surely the human mind and heart are cunning, but God will shoot them with his arrows. Okay, so what we did we learn? That arrows are words. So God's going to shoot at, him, at them with his words. Okay? They will suddenly be struck down. He will turn their own tongues against them and bring them to ruin. All who see them will shake their heads and scorn. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says, put up the shield of faith so you can extinguish all the flaming arrows. So it, it, it's a battle of words. And in response, the Bible says that you must pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the word of God, which are arrows, the word of God, which are swords, are not going to be wielded until you wield it. Right? Right? So this is where it's imperative during your the way you wield it is through prayer. That's why it says praying in the spirit on all occasions. So when the devil is is shooting arrows either through people or now, because see the wicked they'll curse you. You know, especially in this day and age with social with uh, social media. There, there are spiritists out there there are mediums out there there are psychics and, and and warlocks out there do not for a minute think that there may not be some spying on your account and cursing you Amen. and even doing astral projection to meet you at your house and and, and send demons your way to oppress you it happens. So, so we we pray that it backfires on them. See, they they don't have to be in body to to send messages your way. You know that? Well, how is it that demons communicate to you and lie to you even without a body? Right. So, so arrows are being shot whether in person or not in person. Right. So. So we we need to reject that and and, and renounce all of that and and, and object to all of that and begin to declare the word of the Lord, right? So the devil comes and say, you're going to die. No, the word of the Lord says in Psalms that I shall live and not die and see the wonderful works of God. Right, or you're not going to get through this. No, the Bible says that my uh, thanks be unto God who leads us triumphantly uh, through all things. The Bible, you know, or if the enemy comes and says, You know, uh, you're not going to have enough. No, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. It's a sword fight, you begin to fight back with the word of the Lord in prayer. Amen, And so that's how your mind is shielded, how your heart is shielded, and and you begin to feel the Holy Ghost rise up in you. You want to know why? Because the spirit begets spirit. Spirit attaches to spirit. And so when the Holy Ghost hears his own word being cited and quoted, he leaps up in your heart with joy. And so you begin to sense faith arising in your heart. You may not begin speaking with a heart filled with faith. You might have a mustard seed. But the more you speak and the Holy Spirit begins to well up and well up and well up. And before you know it, your heart is filled with faith. Don't engage the devil on the minefield. That is what leads us into this endless rabbit trail. Right? So... I wanted to encourage you with that. Amen. So with that said, uh, may you all have a wonderful rest of your day, um, wonderful rest of your night. Um, and, and and like I said, last thing about I'm not going to say anything about the word anymore, but I want to encourage you guys. I, I said this um, last time, uh, but I want to put you in remembrance. When I upload the podcast.